When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America Incumbency Term Limit Franklin D. Roosevelt won a record four presidential elections, 1932, 1936, 1940 and 1944, leading to the adoption of a two-term limit. When the first president, George Washington, announced in his farewell address that he was not running for a third term, he established a two-terms-then-out precedent. Precedent became tradition after Thomas Jefferson publicly embraced the principle a decade later during his second term, as did his two immediate successors, James Madison and James Monroe. In spite of this strong two-term tradition, Ulysses S. Grant unsuccessfully sought a non-consecutive third term in 1880. In 1940, after leading the nation through the Great Depression, Franklin Roosevelt was elected to a third term, breaking the long-standing precedent. Four years later, with the U.S. engaged in World War II, he was re-elected again despite his declining physical health, he died 82 days into his fourth term on April 12, 1945. In response to the unprecedented length of Roosevelt's presidency, the 22nd Amendment was adopted in 1951. The amendment bars anyone from being elected president more than twice, or once if that person served more than two years, 24 months, of another president's four-year term. Harry S. Truman, President when this term limit came into force, was exempted from its limitations, and briefly sought a second full term, to which he would have otherwise been ineligible for election, as he had been president for more than two years of Roosevelt's fourth term, before he withdrew from the 1952 election. Since the amendment's adoption, five presidents have served two full terms, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. Jimmy Carter George H. W. Bush and Donald Trump each sought a second term but were defeated. Richard Nixon was elected to a second term, but resigned before completing it. Lyndon B. Johnson, having held the presidency for one full term in addition to only 14 months of John F. Kennedy's unexpired term, was eligible for a second full term in 1968, but he withdrew from the Democratic primary. Additionally, Gerald Ford, who served out the last two years and five months of Nixon's second term, sought a full term but was defeated by Jimmy Carter in the 1976 election. Vacancies in Succession Under Section 1 of the 25th Amendment, ratified in 1967, the vice president becomes president upon the removal from office, death, or resignation of the president. Deaths have occurred a number of times, resignation has occurred only once, and removal from office has never occurred. The original Constitution, in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6, stated only that the vice president assumes the powers and duties of the presidency in the event of a president's removal, death, resignation, or inability. Under this clause, there was ambiguity about whether the vice president would actually become president in the event of a vacancy, or simply act as president, potentially resulting in a special election. Upon the death of William Henry Harrison in 1841, Vice President John Tyler declared that he had succeeded to the office itself, refusing to accept any papers addressed to the acting president, and Congress ultimately accepted it. 
This established a precedent for future successions, although it was not formally clarified until the 25th Amendment was ratified. In the event of a double vacancy, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 also authorizes Congress to declare who shall become acting president in the case of removal, death, resignation or inability, both of the president and vice president. The Presidential Succession Act of 1947, codified as 3 U.S.C. Section 19, provides that if both the president and vice president have left office or are both otherwise unavailable to serve during their terms of office, the presidential line of succession follows the order of, Speaker of the House, then, if necessary, the president pro tempore of the Senate, and then if necessary, the eligible heads of federal executive departments who form the president's cabinet. The cabinet currently has 15 members, of which the Secretary of State is first in line. The other cabinet secretaries follow in the order in which their department, or the department of which their department is the successor, was created. Those individuals who are constitutionally ineligible to be elected to the presidency are also disqualified from assuming the powers and duties of the presidency through succession. No statutory successor has yet been called upon to act as president. Disability Under Section 3 of the 25th Amendment, the president may transfer the presidential powers and duties to the vice president who then becomes acting president, by transmitting a statement to the Speaker of the House and the President pro tempore of the Senate stating the reasons for the transfer. The President resumes the discharge of the presidential powers and duties upon transmitting, to those two officials, a written declaration stating that resumption. Such a transfer of power has occurred on three occasions, Ronald Reagan to George H. W. Bush once, on July 13, 1985, and George W. Bush to Dick Cheney twice on June 29, 2002, and on July 21, 2007. Under Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, the Vice President, in conjunction with the majority of the Cabinet, may transfer the presidential powers and duties from the President to the Vice President by transmitting a written declaration to the Speaker of the House and the President pro tempore of the Senate that the President is incapacitated, unable to discharge their presidential powers and duties. If this occurs, then the vice president will assume the presidential powers and duties as acting president, however, the president can declare that no such inability exists and resume the discharge of the presidential powers and duties. If the vice president and cabinet contest this claim, it is up to Congress, which must meet within two days if not already in session, to decide the merit of the claim. Removal Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution allows for the removal of high federal officials, including the president from office for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Article I, Section 2, Clause 5 authorizes the House of Representatives to serve as a grand jury with the power to impeach said officials by a majority vote. Article I, Section 3, Clause 6 authorizes the Senate to serve as a court with the power to remove impeached officials from office, by a two-thirds vote to convict. Three presidents have been impeached by the House of Representatives, Andrew Johnson in 1868. Bill Clinton in 1998, and Donald Trump in 2019, all three were acquitted by the Senate. Additionally, the House Judiciary Committee conducted an impeachment inquiry against Richard Nixon in 1973-74, however, he resigned from office before the full House voted on the Articles of Impeachment. Compensation Presidential Salary Pay History 1789, $25,000, in today's dollars $736,000. 1873, $50,000, in today's dollars $1,080,000. 1909, 
$75,000, in today's dollars $2,135,000. 1949, $100,000, in today's dollars $1,089,000. 1969, $200,000, in today's dollars $736,000. 2001, $400,000, in today's dollars $1,412,000. Currently, $400,000, in today's dollars $400,000. Since 2001, the president's annual salary has been $400,000, along with a $50,000 expense allowance, $100,000 non-taxable travel account, and $19,000 entertainment account. The president's salary is set by Congress, and under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 7 of the Constitution, any increase or reduction in presidential salary cannot take effect before the next presidential term of office. Residence The White House in Washington, D.C., is the official residence of the president. The site was selected by George Washington, and the cornerstone was laid in 1792. Every president since John Adams, in 1800, has lived there. At various times in U.S. history, it has been known as the President's Palace, the President's House, and the Executive Mansion. Theodore Roosevelt officially gave the White House its current name in 1901. Facilities that are available to the President include access to the White House staff, medical care, recreation, housekeeping, and security services. The federal government pays for state dinners and other official functions, but the President pays for personal, family, and guest dry cleaning and food. Camp David, officially titled Naval Support Facility Thermont, a mountain-based military camp in Frederick County, Maryland, is the president's country residence. A place of solitude and tranquility, the site has been used extensively to host foreign dignitaries since the 1940s. President's Guest House, located next to the Eisenhower Executive Office Building at the White House Complex in Lafayette Park, serves as the president's official guest house and as a secondary residence for the president if needed. Four interconnected, 19th-century houses, Blair House, Lee House, and 700 and 704 Jackson Place, with a combined floor space exceeding 70,000 square feet comprise the property. Presidential Residences White House, the official residence Camp David, the official retreat Blair House, the official guest house Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America Travel. The primary means of long-distance air travel for the president is one of two identical Boeing VC-25 aircraft, which are extensively modified Boeing 747 airliners and are referred to as Air Force One while the president is on board, although any U.S. Air Force aircraft the president is aboard is designated as Air Force One for the duration of the flight. In-country trips are typically handled with just one of the two planes, while overseas trips are handled with both, one primary and one backup. The president also has access to smaller Air Force aircraft, most notably the Boeing C-32, which are used when the president must travel to airports that cannot support a jumbo jet. Any civilian aircraft the president is aboard is designated Executive One for the flight. For short-distance air travel, the president has access to a fleet of U.S. Marine Corps helicopters of varying models, designated Marine One when the president is aboard any particular one in the fleet. Flights are typically handled with as many as five helicopters all flying together and frequently swapping positions as to disguise which helicopter the president is actually aboard to any would-be threats. For ground travel, the president uses the presidential state car, 
which is an armored limousine designed to look like a Cadillac sedan, but built on a truck chassis. The U.S. Secret Service operates and maintains the fleet of several limousines. The president also has access to two armored motor coaches, which are primarily used for touring trips. Presidential Transportation The Presidential Limousine, dubbed the Beast The Presidential Plane, called Air Force One when the president is on board Marine One Helicopter, when the president is aboard Protection The U.S. Secret Service is charged with protecting the president and the first family As part of their protection, presidents, first ladies, their children and other immediate family members, and other prominent persons and locations are assigned Secret Service code names the use of such names was originally for security purposes and dates to a time when sensitive electronic communications were not routinely encrypted, today, the names simply serve for purposes of brevity, clarity, and tradition. Post-Presidency Activities Some former presidents have had significant careers after leaving office. Prominent examples include William Howard Taft's tenure as Chief Justice of the United States and Herbert Hoover's work on government reorganization after World War II. Grover Cleveland, whose bid for re-election failed in 1888, was elected president again four years later in 1892. Two former presidents served in Congress after leaving the White House, John Quincy Adams was elected to the House of Representatives, serving there for 17 years, and Andrew Johnson returned to the Senate in 1875, though he died soon after. Some ex-presidents were very active, especially in international affairs, most notably Theodore Roosevelt. Herbert Hoover, Richard Nixon, and Jimmy Carter. Presidents may use their predecessors as emissaries to deliver private messages to other nations or as official representatives of the United States to state funerals and other important foreign events. Richard Nixon made multiple foreign trips to countries including China and Russia and was lauded as an elder statesman. Jimmy Carter has become a global human rights campaigner, international arbiter, and election monitor, as well as the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. Bill Clinton has also worked as an informal ambassador, most recently in the negotiations that led to the release of two American journalists, Laura Ling and Yuna Lee, from North Korea. During his presidency, George W. Bush called on former Presidents Bush and Clinton to assist with humanitarian efforts after the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami. President Obama followed suit by asking Presidents Clinton and Bush to lead efforts to aid Haiti after an earthquake devastated that country in 2010. Clinton has also been active politically since his presidential term ended, working with his wife Hillary on her 2008 and 2016 presidential bids and President Obama on his 2012 re-election campaign. Pension, Office, and Staff Until 1958, former presidents had no governmental aid to maintain themselves. Gradually, a small pension was increased, but with the public disaffection with Presidents Johnson and Nixon, some began to question the propriety and the amounts involved. Under the Former Presidents Act, all living former presidents are granted a pension, an office, and a staff. The pension has increased numerous times with congressional approval. Retired presidents now receive a pension based on the salary of the current administration's cabinet secretaries, which was $199,700 each year in 2012. Former presidents who served in Congress may also collect congressional pensions. The Act also provides former presidents with travel funds and franking privileges. Prior to 1997, all former presidents, their spouses, and their children until age 16 were protected by the Secret Service until the president's death. In 1997, 
Congress passed legislation limiting Secret Service protection to no more than 10 years from the date a president leaves office. On January 10, 2013, President Obama signed legislation reinstating lifetime Secret Service protection for him, George W. Bush, and all subsequent presidents. A first spouse who remarries is no longer eligible for Secret Service protection. As of December 2020, there are four living former U.S. presidents. The most recent former president to die was George H.W. Bush, 1989-1993, on November 30, 2018. The living former presidents, in order of service, are Jimmy Carter, 1977-1981, age 96. Bill Clinton, 1993-2001, age 74. George W. Bush, 2001-2009, age 74. Barack Obama, 2009-2017, age 59. Presidential Libraries Every president since Herbert Hoover has created a repository known as a presidential library for preserving and making available his papers, records, and other documents and materials. Completed libraries are dated to and maintained by the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA. The initial funding for building and equipping each library must come from private, non-federal sources. There are currently 13 presidential libraries in the NARA system. There are also presidential libraries maintained by state governments and private foundations and universities of higher education, such as the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by the state of Illinois, the George W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by Southern Methodist University, the George H. W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum, which is run by Texas A&M University, and the Lyndon Baines Johnson Presidential Library and Museum which is run by the University of Texas at Austin. A number of presidents have lived for many years after leaving office, and several of them have personally overseen the building and opening of their own presidential libraries. Some have even made arrangements for their own burial at the site. Several presidential libraries contain the graves of the president they document, including the Dwight D. Eisenhower Presidential Library, Museum and Boyhood Home in Abilene, Kansas. Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum in Yorba Linda, California, and the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. These grave sites are open to the general public. Timeline of Presidents Political Affiliation Political parties have dominated American politics for most of the nation's history. Though the Founding Fathers generally spurned political parties as divisive and disruptive, and their rise had not been anticipated when the U.S. Constitution was drafted in 1787, organized political parties developed in the U.S. in the mid-1790s nonetheless. They evolved from political factions, which began to appear almost immediately after the federal government came into existence. Those who supported the Washington administration were referred to as pro-administration and would eventually form the Federalist Party, while those in opposition joined the emerging Democratic-Republican Party. Greatly concerned about the very real capacity of political parties to destroy the fragile unity holding the nation together, Washington remained unaffiliated with any political faction or party throughout his eight-year presidency. He was, and remains, the only U.S. president never to be affiliated with a political party. Since Washington, every U.S. president has been affiliated with a political party at the time of assuming office. The number of presidents per political party, at the time of entry into office, are Republican, 19, Chester Arthur, George H. W. Bush, George W. Bush, Calvin Coolidge, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, James Garfield, Ulysses S. Grant, Warren G. Harding, Benjamin Harrison, 
Rutherford B. Hayes, Herbert Hoover, Abraham Lincoln, William McKinley, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and Donald Trump. Democrat, 14, James Buchanan, Jimmy Carter, Grover Cleveland, Bill Clinton, Andrew Jackson, Lyndon B. Johnson, John F. Kennedy, Barack Obama, Franklin Pierce, James K. Polk, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, Martin Van Buren, and Woodrow Wilson. Democratic Republican, 4, John Quincy Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and James Monroe. Whig, 4, Millard Fillmore, William Henry Harrison, Zachary Taylor, and John Tyler. Federalist, 1, John Adams. National Union, 1, Andrew Johnson. None, 1, George Washington. The Law School of America. This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The Law School of America. Mm-hmm.